0: And today we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. And you can go ahead and turn there if you want to. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read the first several verses of this chapter. And I'm not going to give much commentary. I'm just going to read. And then we will uh, settle down, slow down, focus on uh, several verses in this chapter. But I do want us to read a good section um, before that. The reason I want us to read this is because it connects last week's sermon to where we're going this week. And it also connects several of the things that were taught in Philippians. You're going to see where he urges them to walk in a manner worthy of their calling. Well, we we heard almost the exact same verse in Philippians. He's going to ask them to be united. Well, we heard that several times in Philippians. And, and in this oneness, in this unity, we're going to see what a healthy church looks like and how it comes out of a unified church. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, I, I being Paul, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Okay, so you see what unity requires. We've discussed this several times. That's why we're not going to just dive in right here because we've already studied this. But not this exact passage, but a passage that says the same thing in essence, in principle. And so what we see here is that unity requires us to put others first. Unity requires humility. It requires gentleness. It requires patience, bearing with one another in love. In two weeks, we're going to be looking at a lot of passages in the New Testament that says love one another, bear one another. With one another, bearing with one another. We're going to look at these one another passages, but here's one right here. Bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. All I'm going to pause right there. One, 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 united, unity, gentleness, um, bearing with one another, humility. All these things point to unity. It points to oneness, being united, being together. And I just want to tell you before we even get to the rest of this sermon, that if we're not going to be a church who's united, then we can't hold on to the promises that are ahead of this, uh, that come later in, in this passage, because it's tied together. We've been talking about context, and I w- my plan was to just start at e- Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, which we'll get to, but then I thought, no, I can't. I- I- I've got to tie it to some context, and really, if you look at the very first verse of chapter 4, I therefore, so therefore is pointing back to something earlier, and like we've said What's that therefore, therefore, right? But we don't have time to look at the entire book of Philippians. Um, although if you'd like to just schedule an appointment, we can do that. We can just sit down for a few hours one day and go through it. But, um, but what I want us to see t- today is this, is that unity is required for us to be the church that God has called us to be. We cannot be that church This end result that we'll look at later on in this passage. We cannot get there without unity. And so we can all hope for great things in our church. We can all wish that God would fill the pews, that he would use us to uh, show his love and to spread his love throughout man's field and to the ends of the earth. We can all hope for all those things. But if we don't have unity, if we don't have love for one another, if we're not one, then... We're not going to be able to accomplish what we want to accomplish. We might be able to get, you know, a percentage of that accomplished. But we're not going to be the church that this describes if we can't even start with the foundation of being in Christ and being unified in him. In Romans, and 1 Corinthians, when it's talking about the church, and this, this passage actually hints to it, when it's talking about the church, it uses the illustration of a body, and this says a body, but it uses the illustration that there are many parts to a body, right? There are, there are fingers and toes and nostrils and um, hair follicles. Some of us have more of that than others. Um, there are many different parts of the body. Some parts seem more important than others, right? How many of y'all know that the heart is important? Um How many of you have learned firsthand, by people who lack one of these, that a brain is important? Okay, all right, a brain is important. Um, But we can't uh, underestimate the importance of parts of the body that don't seem that important. How many of you have ever really injured your big toe? Anybody? Okay, that hurts your whole body. You can't walk, you can't do anything. Well, you can do some things, but it really affects you. Your, your toe, just this little part of the body, can really have a great effect on you. How many of you have been affected by cholesterol? That's, you don't have to raise your hands, but some of you are like, I hear you. And I'm going to go eat something fried right after you get through preaching. Um, and so th- there are parts of our body that are affected by things. There, there are parts of our body that, that don't seem that important until they are. And until we realize their importance and realize we need them. And here's here's the point that Paul makes in Romans and 1 Corinthians, and again here in this passage, is that we're all needed. We're all important. We need all of us to be working properly. Now, I'm kind of getting ahead. This is the end of the sermon. Sometimes I do this. I'm showing you the end before we even get there, because I want you to pay attention. I want everyone to pay attention, because when we start at verse 11 in just a moment, then we're going to be hearing about, how um, he called leaders, different types of leaders that we'll identify in a moment, he called those leaders for a specific person, purpose. But I want you to know that at the end of this, it's not just talking about leaders. It gets, very quickly transitions to talking about every single person. And let's let's continue verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Okay? Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high and led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth. Okay, so there's some commentary there. Let me read verse 10 and I'll explain that. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might feel all things. Here's what he's saying. He's saying that as Christians, we believe that Jesus existed as God. Before he was ever born in flesh as man, he already existed. The Trinity already existed. We we looked at in, the, in a few sermons ago Genesis one twenty six where it says, "Let us make man in our image." Well, who is us and who is our? Why are there those pronouns plural? Why didn't God say, "Let me make man in my image"? The reason He said, "Let us make man in our image," is because we are made in the image of God, and God is one. But we have one Godhead with three different persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they are so united. We find this unity within God himself that they are so united that you can't look at them as three separate without being one. And you can't look at them as one without being three separate persons. That They are somehow three in one at the same time. And there's plenty of illustrations to help us try to explain this. Um, but they all kind of fall short. And this is one of those mysteries that we spoke about when we talked about not putting God in a box a few weeks ago. And if you're here and you're like, man, this guy's talking about a lot of past sermons that I didn't hear. Well, good for you and us. They're online. So you can just go online and listen to all those sermons that you missed and hear all about them. But right now, I want us to look at what he's saying here. And that, that is that Jesus was, uh, that he descended, that he came down from heaven. That he then lived a life, a uh, perfect life. He died on the cross so that he could pay the debt that we owed for our sins. Uh, he was punished for us so that we wouldn't have to be punished, so that we could have eternal life in him. And then, after his death, he rose again. He And after his resurrection, he ascended back to the heavens. And so, why did he do that? Why did he descend? Well, he... he he, did, he couldn't ascend unless he descended, and he, could, he had to descend in order to save us and in order to make us the church, in order to unify us, in order to give us that one spirit that was talked about earlier. We needed Jesus to come and do those things for us so that we could be united, so that we could be his, so that we could have one purpose. And so it, it says that he gave them gifts in verse 8. He gave each one of us a specific purpose. He gave each one of us a role to play in the church. And to be honest, I've been here a few months. I don't know your roles yet. I don't know what God has called you to do. I don't know how he has gifted you. There are some things that we're going to be doing in the future that will help us to identify those gifts and and how you're created. But let me just tell you that the best way that i found is for you to just read your Bible, come to church, love Jesus, hang out with a few Christian friends, not ignore your lost friends, but have some good Christian fellowship and community. And then start using, when you see a need, start playing a role in in filling that need. And as you're doing that, I know it's trial and error, but there are going to be some things you're more passionate about than other things. There are going to be some things that you're better at than other things. And you're going to see quickly what you're gifted in and how God has equipped you to reach needs that he's presenting before you. Okay? And so, he gave gifts to men. Uh, Going back to verse 10, um, we just need to realize that he couldn't have ascended he couldn't have given us this unity he couldn't have given us these gifts he couldn't have been these done these things without coming to earth in the first place so that's what all that is saying and the main thing i want to summarize from those 10 verses uh, 10 verses is this is that uh we can have unity through christ we can be one through christ we have one god there is one church whether We are practicing humility and gentleness and the things that are said here, whether we're walking in a manner worthy to which the the manner in which we were called, whether we're doing that or not, um, there is one church. So the question is, are we helping be a part of the unity that the church has, or are we causing division? And before you answer, let me just say that if you're not using your gifts, then you're not helping be a part of the unity. Because each part has to be working properly for there to for the body to be as it should, okay all right you'll see this and and hopefully I can explain this better as we continue in this passage so look at verse eleven this is where I want us to really focus and he gave he being Jesus it was he was just talking about Christ and he gave the apostles, the prophets the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers okay so he gave. Basically, let's just say he gave leaders, he gave these specific leaders for a specific purpose. Why did the, the God, why did Jesus, who descended in order that he could give us gifts and, and bring us unity, why did he give us these specific leaders? Well, let's look at verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Now, there's a few things I want us to see here. First of all, he didn't give us the leaders so they could do all the work by themselves. He gave us leaders to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Not so that he, the leaders in this church, me and Matt and several others, he didn't give us leaders so that the leaders could just boss people around and not do any work. No, we're all doing work. He gave us leaders to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And, and there's a few things that I want to point out here. First, I want us to remember, when I came in view of a call a few months ago, my first sermon here, we, we looked together at Exodus 19, 5 and 6, and 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10. And in that sermon, I mentioned this passage. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, which basically... Um, is a, a repeating for the for Christians of what God said to the Israelites in the Old Testament in Exodus nineteen five and six, says that we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession. Okay, a, a royal priesthood in the Old Testament in 19, Exodus nineteen five and six it says a kingdom of priests. All of us have a role in God's church. We're all priests. We're, we are a royal priesthood and a holy nation. And when I say that we're all priests, what do I mean by that? Here's what I mean by that. Here's God. We as Christians want to worship God, hopefully, right? Okay? Let's say that there is a lost world over here. People who, I'm just, when I say lost, I just mean people who, who don't have a relationship with Jesus, who have not been saved, who have not asked Him to forgive them of their sins. That They, they just don't know Him in, in a sa- salvation salvific way. So... Um, Over here you have these people. As a royal priesthood, we stand in between. And we help these people come to know this God. Someone did that for us. There used to be someone else who stood in the the path and and told us about Jesus. And ultimately, who is standing in the role that, that bridges the gap between God and man? It's Jesus himself. But as his church, he has given us his role to be a royal priesthood and a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies, excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That's First Peter 2, 9 and 10. Um, I, don't just, I don't preach that good for me to be able to say something that smart. All right. Don't preach that good. Or, well, if I want to say it correctly. Um, all right. So, all of us, we're a part of this royal priesthood. All of us have a job. Every single one of us. If, if you claim to be a Christian in this room this morning, then you are a part of the church. And if you claim to be a Christian in this room this morning, and you are part of the church, then you have a specific role to play in the church. All of us. And that role is not to just fill a pew. It warm that pew, and to tell someone else, "This is my pew." You got to find another seat. That's not just your role. Okay, that's a start, and that is a gift to, to of encouragement to other people for you to be here. But it's the beginning. It's the start. Now, there are some people for health reasons that maybe that's the extent of what they can do. That's understandable, but don't make excuses if it's not true. Does that make sense? Okay. How many of you are breathing? Most of you, good. Um, And how many of you have a heartbeat? Hopefully all of us. Okay. How many of you can attend church, can physically show up in this building? Okay. Then that's what all of us as Christians should be doing. That's 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 a basic start. Okay, But beyond that, we have to identify what our gifts are. Okay? If you are, I'm just going to call on some random people. Okay? So if you're Dan, when uh, Cheryl, our piano player, this is not Cheryl over here for those of you who are new. Um, but our pianist uh, called this morning and she's not feeling well. And so Kenny, who's usually leading the music, He goes over here to play the piano, uh, but that leaves no one to lead. So what does Dan do? He steps up, right? Okay. Or if you're Jaden, what's up, buddy? Uh, You can come in here every morning with a big old smile on your face, and you can tell your preacher, I'm not really concerned about you. Where's Kenny? Um, But you can bring joy. Every single one of us in this room have gifts. And we we have been called to be a part of the church, so how are we going to use those gifts? All right, now I want us to continue to look at this, and I want us to talk about some few things. Uh, I'm an English major, so just, if you would give me 30 seconds of of English, if you would just listen to my grammar statement for 30 seconds, then you can just ignore anything I say past that 30 second mark about grammar, but I know some of you don't like English, but if you could just listen for just a moment, okay? Uh, how many of you have ever heard the phrase and this is a popular meme you can google it. How many of you have ever heard the phrase uh, let 's eat grandma how many have you ever been to your grandma 's house and heard somebody say that okay that 's a lot different than let 's eat grandma okay so commas are important um, grammar is important grammar saves lives people. You should pay attention in English class okay but In this passage, in uh, verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. uh, There is a prepositional phrase here. You can ignore that if you want to because my 30 seconds is up. But there is this phrase that continues, that's connected. And and when we translate it into English, it is divided certain ways. You can have a comma or you can't. You can have a prepositional phrase or you don't. Whatever you're trying to say, it depends on um, how you would translate that into English and where you would put the the punctuation and things. So, with that said, there are translations that disagree about what this, this exact verse says. But in the context of what we should get from the verse, no matter which way it's translated, it comes out the same. So, the translation that I'm choosing to use, we will see in the end that you cannot deny that what this is actually saying uh, in, the, in this verse, it goes against anything else in the context. And it'll all back each other up. So let's look at this. Verse 12. He's given those leaders to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Okay, so my job as a leader is to equip the saints. Who are the saints? Any Christian, the church, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So why has he given leaders. He's given leaders to lead people, to equip the saints, so that together we can do the work of the ministry. And as we're doing the work of the ministry, what's going to happen? It's going to build up the body of Christ. Verse 13, until we all attain to the unity, there's that word again, oneness, unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. So he's given leaders to help equip us so that we can work together, and in our working together, we will mature And in our maturity, we will become like who? Jesus. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. When all the parts are working like they should, we look like Jesus. Like Him in all His maturity. That's how we look. But when the the parts are not working, let's just say that You have a car, and a spark plug decides not to work. It's just a little thing, right? Now, if that spark plug stops working, you're going to have a hard time getting from point A to point B. It can happen. You can can go around it sometimes, depending on some different issues. But you need that spark plug. And so let's let's just say that it's not that it's doing something it shouldn't do. It just isn't doing what it should do. It just isn't working. Does it affect things? Yes. So for all of us in this room, it is all of our jobs to do the work of the ministry. And when I say the work of the ministry, I'm not just talking about um, making sure we have lights on in this building, although I'm very appreciative for those of you who give financially and help us to do that. I'm not just talking about um, the work of the ministry, us doing hand-in-hand, which is an amazing ministry, where people who need food get food because there are members of our church who work together together, to serve and do the work of the ministry. I'm not just talking about the clothes closet. That we have members of our church who work hard to make sure that that children and others in our community have clothes. Just this past week, someone met me on the street. I was walking to Napa um, because we live in Mansfield. If I said I was walking somewhere, you could guess within three guesses where I was going. But um, I was walking to Napa and this lady stopped me and she said, Hey, are you the, uh, the pastor at the church down there? And I said, Yes, ma'am. And she said... Uh, can I bring clothes there right now? And I said, yes. And in my head, I was thinking, i got to get back to the house so Rose could take this meal to this person. And uh, But okay, I'll go down there. And So um, I, I come down here, and she brought six bags of clothes. And she said, when my house burned down, this church gave me clothes. And I don't know when this was in the distant past or whatever, but um, but now she was giving back. And so we, we're there to help people. And so the work of the ministry, we're not just talking about feeding people and clothing people, all of those things are extremely important. When we say the work of the ministry, it means whatever God desires to do, it's not all there is to it. And if you start building ministry around one person or a few people, then what happens when that one person or those few people leave? The people leave too. What God was doing in the midst, in that moment, it's over. Because the people who were leading that are gone. But what if those people are just one part, and when that part leaves, we can shift some things to make the whole, make all the parts work together again? Then we're in business. Okay. Very proper way to say that. All right. I'm going to finish this chapter, or not the chapter, but through verse 16. Let's let's look at these verses. So as we're working together, as we're united, and, and... Well, let's start with this. As the leaders are equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, and as that's building up the body of Christ, we are attaining, we are gaining unity in the faith, and we are gaining knowledge of the Son of God more and more each day, and it's leading us to maturity, to the mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that, we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So what's one thing that's going to it's gonna help us if, if we're all united and we're mature? Well, when someone comes in and tells you something that's not true, when someone comes in and tries to stir up division or stir up controversy, then you're going to know truth because there is going to be maturity. There is going to be unity. And we're going to know how to respond. We're going to know how to act. We're not going to be deceived by people. And this is another sermon for another day. But you just have to know that there are plenty of people. You can turn on your television. And there are people who are teaching things that are not biblical. And people are just eating it up and taking it in. Even though it doesn't match what this says. We live in an age, and there are books of the Bible, so this isn't anything new. Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun. And there are books in the Bible that specifically address false teachers. That they were written, the main purpose they were written was to address the fact that there are people who will come in and will teach you things that aren't true. So how do we know if it's true? Well, we have the Bible, but what helps is, is when the leaders are equipping the saints for the work of the ministry and we're maturing together, we're building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. As we're speaking truth in love, as we're doing these things, as we're being the church that we should be, we will grow up in every way, In every way. Not in some ways we're going to look like Christ and in other ways we're not. We're going to grow up in every way into him who is the head. Into Christ. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So, if we're united in Christ... If we're united in Him, then we're connected to Him. And as we're growing and as we're maturing in unity, as we're doing these things, we're growing up into the head, into Christ. In every way, we're growing up into Jesus. We're becoming more like Him. We're reflecting Him. So let's say that there's a mirror in front of Mansfield FBC, or if you're visiting with us this morning, whatever church you're a part of. There's a mirror in front of the church. And we look in that mirror... And we look for our reflection. What do we see? Do we see Jesus? Or do we see a church that is bickering? Do we see a church that doesn't love a person because of their skin color or whatever? Do we see a church that is doing the ministry that God has called us to do? That we're um, excelling in Being like Christ, what do we see when we look in the mirror? And to be honest, I don't know that I can answer that for us. There are things that I see all the time where Rose and I both are so glad that we are here, that we get to be a part of this body. I've been a part of some amazing churches in my life. And this is the most fun I've had in a church. It's it's also the hardest work I've ever had in a church, but... It is the most fun. I've enjoyed being here. We enjoy being here. We, we are so grateful that God called us here. And my job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And if and if you put that comma there, if my job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry and building up. Okay? If, if those are three separate jobs, then we can't ignore... All the rest of the parts of this that talk about unity, that talk about the importance of the individual, that talk about um, when each part is working properly, we can't ignore those things. And so no matter where you put the comma in verse 12, my job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Because there is ministry to be done. There is a world to be changed. There is a world to be impacted. There is a world to be loved. There is a God to be worshipped. And it is my job to equip us, and not just my job alone, other leaders also, but it is my job to equip us, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so, what's your role in this? Where are we going as a church? I'm going to tell you a story, and then I'm going to close. Uh, When Rose and I, we were at Jenny Baptist Church, not Jenny Lind near Fort Smith, but... Jenny Baptist, um, near nowhere, um, we were between Lake Village and Eudora, for anybody who knows Southeast Arkansas, um, just a few miles from Mississippi River. Um, when we were there in Jenny, uh, I, this, is, this passage is a part of the heartbeat of who I am, because I am one of these leaders. I am this teacher, shepherd, the shepherd teacher that is talked about. It is my job to equip the saints. So, this is, I've always taken this seriously since the first moment I learned about it in my early 20s. And so, uh, in equipping, there came a point where I said, okay, has God given you a vision for the church? And this, um, and I said, if, if you have a vision for the church, then you just let us know. And we as a church, if we agree that this is biblical and, and we feel like this is the direction God is leading us, then we're going to support your vision. And so this woman came to me, and um, her name is Jamie. And she said, after a couple of weeks, she said, "I think we need to renovate our nursery." And I'll just tell you that when she said that, my stomach began to hurt. I was like, "Oh no! Like this is what this is the vision that God has given you to renovate the nursery." Like my initial thought was, "Why did I say that from the pulpit that I would be behind?" Because to give you a little context, we had. Uh, just a few dollars in the bank. We didn't have much. And this was a a small country church. And I was thinking, this is how we're going to spend the money that we have. And beyond. This is way beyond what we have. We're going to have to um, chip in and and get this done. Uh, But she said, I've prayed about it. I really believe that this is something we need to do. And we had uh, zero babies in the nursery at that time. And one child that was a little older who would go in the nursery and so we prayed about it as a church. We decided to go ahead and, and do this and renovate this nursery. And by the way, this is something I never would have thought about, renovating a nursery. This is not my expertise or anything. Um, I didn't have children at the time. And so we renovate the nursery. And a year later, we had 11 kids in that nursery. So God used a part, Jamie's quiet, Actually, her whole family is quiet. But Jamie's quiet, and she's not one to lead or speak up in, in that way. And yet, God used a part that was hidden in, from a lot of people's view to come up with a creative way for the church to do something, even though it was something that I was like, this isn't ministry. But anyway, uh, and we did it. And thankfully, the church doesn't just listen to one man. We are united. We are a body. And because Jamie listened to God and she saw this need and met this need, and I don't know where her convictions came from or what she was reading or studying or any of that, I just know that she felt like this is what we should do, and we did it, and God honored it, and God blessed it. And so I know that um, Miss Connie is sitting in the back right now saying, we need a playground. Let's build this playground. And so, look when Connie's leading this up, let's get behind her uh, for what she wants to do. But what about you? Where do you fit? What is God calling you to do? Now, we're closing. And I, I'm not going to try to manipulate your emotions. I'm not going to try to do any of that. I just want the scripture to speak to your heart. And I want to ask you, is your part, you, you're the part, are you working properly? According to what, your part in the church should be. Are you working properly? Because when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I want us to be like Jesus. Whatever that means and whatever it costs us. And I'm not talking about financial alone. I'm talking about whatever it costs us. I want us to be like Jesus. I want our church to reflect His love and His nature and if each part is not working properly then we're not going to build ourselves up in love and building ourselves up in love that's in connection with Christ so that's not us apart from Christ building ourselves up in love that's us with Christ in this marriage building ourselves up in love when each part is working properly is your part working properly because here's the way I see things is that God is amazing <laughs> And he is so good to us. He is way too good to me. I don't deserve all the blessings that he's given me. And I've had a hard life. I've gone through a lot of hard things, a lot of difficult things. And maybe some of you in here have gone through more difficult things, have had a harder life. So I'm not saying that things are just perfect. But I'm saying that even in this fallen world where there's pain and suffering and hurt, God has been too good to me. I don't deserve my salvation that he has given me. I don't deserve the family he has given me. I don't deserve a lot of what he has given me. And then sometimes, with the blessings he's given me, I squander them. It just proves that I never deserved them in the first place. But thank God, he doesn't give us what we deserve. He is a good God, a merciful God, a gracious God. And his kindness has led me to repentance. And his love has led me to love him and want to be like him and, and want to honor him with my life. Not because I have to, not because it's in the rule book, but because I love him and I want to. I want to be there to make my father proud. And I hope that's your desire. And I hope you see that need in our world. And I want our church to play a role in what God wants to do to bring people into a relationship with this God who they don't deserve, who we don't deserve, but he wants that relationship anyway. And I want to play a part. I want to be a part of the kingdom of priests that's standing in the gap. That's building a bridge between the world and God. And when I see people hurting, I want to hurt with them. And I want to be there for them. And I want to meet needs when I see needs. And I want our church to meet those needs. And I want our church to rejoice when people are rejoicing, like I said last week. And I want our church to hurt with people who are hurting. I don't want us to just go around and say, let's greet each other, shake hands. How are you? Well, I've had a really tough week. Oh, well, that's good. How are you? And go to the next person. I want us to care. Uh, If we hear that, I want us to say, let's eat lunch tomorrow. Let's talk about this. or, Or what are you doing right after the service? We can pray together. I want us to do those type of things. And so the question is, Are you going to be a part that's working properly? Are we going to be the church that God has called us to be? Are we going to reach the nations for him? Or are we just going to be hidden in Mansfield, Arkansas, doing our own thing, doing things our way instead of God's way, not forgiving those who have wronged us, not dwelling together in unity, not um, in humility, counting others more significant than ourselves, Not doing those things, but doing things our own way. And we're just going to be one more church. You know how many Southern Baptist churches? Just Southern Baptist churches there are in Arkansas. A couple years ago, last time I saw the number, it was 1,536. That's a lot of churches. We're just one more church. And that's just Southern Baptist churches. If we do things our way, we're just one more church. And in fact... We could be just one more church who's standing in the way of people coming to know God rather than being a part of the solution of people coming to know God. I've talked too much. I'm going to stop. But here's the thing. I want to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body. I want to see us reach the status of the fullness of Christ. His maturity when people look at us i want them to see the love of jesus when we look in the mirror and, and our church is standing before this mirror i want us to see jesus so where do you stand today is your part working properly for the invitation this morning uh, if, if you want to become a christian if you're not a follower of jesus and you know man i i love this guy who's so good I want to follow him, I want to be his. I want him to save me. I want to ask him to forgive me of my sins, and you can do that just you know we'll we'll talk come up here, we'll talk a little bit right now, and we'll set up a time later to talk more. Maybe you want to join our church, maybe you hear about each part working properly, and you're a part that's missing, and we need you to be able to work properly. Maybe God has called you to join this church to be a part of this church. if that's you this morning, then maybe you want to join the church, but maybe you're in here and you're already a part of this church or already a part of another church and you know that you're not accurately reflecting this passage and you need to spend some time on your knees at the altar or where you are standing or seated and you need to spend some serious time in humility coming before God and telling him that you're sorry for not working properly, asking him to forgive you And making a commitment, if God so leads you, making a commitment, not if God so leads you, if you're a Christian and you believe that the Bible is truth, then making a commitment to God that I'm going to strive to do this and meaning it. And so however God is is, uh, convicting you this morning, that's how I want you to respond. Let's pray and then we'll have a time of invitation.